You only see people like you when they're being mocked and when people treat you a certain way. And so it led to, yeah, me accepting the bullying because I guess I thought this is the price to pay when you're different. Welcome back to the Maria Thetil Show. Oh my goodness, what a crazy few weeks. I don't know if y'all have stuck with me, but between the Logies, RuPaul's Drag Race, work, live renovations, it has been insane. But one of the things I love most is doing this podcast for you. And I'm so happy to be back in the studio. And today it's by myself doing, I guess, one of my favorite kinds of episodes. I love chatting to you and sharing you know little pearls of wisdom and and things that I've used for my own personal development that really make a difference in how I show up in in my own life really and so today's episode I'm really excited about it I'm going to be talking to you all about stories stories about who we are where we fit in the world and when they're limiting how the hell do we question them That's what this entire episode is dedicated to. And I hope you love it. I hope you enjoy it. We're back with Ask Maria and I cannot wait to get into it. Okay, so I guess the reason I wanted to do this episode is because one of my friends, she messaged me telling me that her sister-in-law listens to the podcast. And I'm just going to say shout out to you. You know who you are. Um, And she listens and she texted my friend Shana and said, I just bawled my eyes out on the way to work listening to Maria's podcast and I I said to Shana, I'm like, hopefully everything's okay. (laughs) Like, is she all right? And she said, no, no, she just said that, you know, she was listening to my new episode and what she resonated with was how I talked about, you know, having anxiety and this feeling of not being good enough. And she liked that I I shared it in a completely non-judgmental way and she felt like she related to those feelings and she felt validated and I loved that. You know, it makes me feel when you guys write in and you tell me how something has made me feel, it literally fills my soul with energy I just can't even explain to you. And when I think, you know, because I think I think of how I went from being, I guess, this really shy kid who kind of just gave in to whatever, you know, anything I was told about myself. Like I absorbed so many messages that I wasn't good enough that I feel like I was a chameleon. I just changed everything about myself to fit in whatever space I was in. And to go from that to now doing this, where I'm happy and and this is the work that I do and I get to help and impact people through what I do. I feel so grateful. And I, when I was thinking about it, I'm like, you know what, like you can't get to this point without nailing, I guess, one ability. And it's the ability to ask yourself why, you know, why have we subscribed to the stories that we've subscribed to? You know, stories that hold us back from being more. So for those of you who listen to the pod, you might have heard me reference the book that I've written and it's called Unbounded. And it's a book about manifesting a life beyond limits. And the way it's structured is there are 10 chapters and each one is a verb. It's a doing word. It's a call to action. So it's like chapter two is intend. Chapter three is rebel. Do you know what I mean? It's calling you to do something. And so in episode one, I touched on chapter one of my book Unbounded and it's called Question and it's about questioning the stories that we believe about ourselves. So I did go into it very, very lightly in episode one, but right now I really want to go into it. And I want to start though by talking about what I mean when I say stories and how they affect us. 
So when I talk about stories and when I say, you know, this ability to question the stories that we believe about ourselves, I'm talking about the ideas that we have formed about ourselves. It's, it's what we believe about who we are and where we fit in the world. Because, you know, we're social creatures and it's important to note we are wired neurologically for connection. So we want to connect with others. We want to belong. We want to fit in. We want to be loved. But because of that, you know, from birth, we're conditioned by outside influences. And so I'm talking about things like culture, religion, politics, your gender that you identify with, education, social norms. So we're conditioned by these things. And the reason we're conditioned is because it increases our chances of being accepted into these groups that we belong in, because that's what we're wired for. And it's not to say like we, we need to acknowledge like these social groups and these social structures, they're very, very real and they have a purpose. But sometimes we accept stories about our identity and, and who we are when they don't actually align with who we are and we do it just to survive. And in some cases, you know, like mine, I guess the stories that we tell, they're rooted in these ideas that can be discriminatory. They can be disempowering. They can be exclusive and we don't always know why we accept them. So for this episode, I want to talk to you about stories and give you a personal example. And there are so many I could give you, but I think one that really, really sticks out that I've spoken about very publicly is my experiences with racism and confusion about my cultural identity. And I want to talk to you about the stories I came to believe about myself because I experienced these things and then how it influenced how I believed, you know, I deserved to show up in the world and who I was. So obviously there are many other things. Like if I, if I look at the influence of being a woman in the world, being, you know, a daughter of immigrants in Australia, if I look at being a queer person, like all these experiences shape who we are. But for the purpose of this podcast, I'm just going to talk about one. So I have, you know, very often spoken about what it was like growing up Indian in Australia and my parents immigrated to Australia in I'm going to say the very late 80s and at the time there was not a lot of representation of South Asian people in Australian media and Australian politics in fashion in business you didn't really see it and when you did see it and not just South Asian people I'm talking like black indigenous or people of color broadly but when you did see it say on TV for example it was very often these like exaggerated caricatures so how many of you remember growing up and putting on the simpsons and you'd see a poo and he would talk with the accent and he worked at the quickie mart and his wife had a head bubble and a red dot and that is quite literally what people thought i was <laughs> like when i went to primary school kids would ask me they'd say so does your dad work at a 7-eleven or is he a taxi driver does your mom wear the red dot you know it was questions like that where okay this is what we've seen this is our model for what we think Indian people are. And we're then going to go and blanket it to every Indian person we see. And so growing up where you have very racist representation, no people like you in powerful spheres, you come to think that, you know, well, I came to think that being Australian looked a certain way. And it's because all I ever saw on billboards and in supermarket aisles and in makeup campaigns and on TV, you know, people telling the news, it was always fair skin, blonde hair, blue eyes. So in my mind, I'm like, that's Australian. And when you don't see yourself, you're like, well, who the hell am I? And you come to think you're an outsider and you don't fit these ideas of what beautiful, powerful, Australian enough. And so then when I went to school, 
I was a pretty quiet kid and I was quiet up until I'm going to say 14 where then I overcompensated and I tried to be super loud to just get through high school and there was a lot of bullying because back then I guess no one was really talking about you know, it's not cool to be racist. <laughs> like, And people, I think, at the time didn't know they were being racist. So it got worse. It went from thinking things like, you know, does your dad work at a 7-Eleven to this to that to then people overt, like point blank to my face, making comments about my food, my skin. I remember I had this one friend. I will never forget this. I just remember how this made me feel. And it's just crazy now. It's going to sound ridiculous. But I remember how it made me feel. I was 15 and I went to school. And she said something in front of our group of friends, something to the effect of, oh my God, you just look so Indian today. I just don't know what it is, but you just look so Indian today. And I was so ashamed. I'm like, what the fuck does Indian look like? Like, why do I look like that? Why is she saying that? And from then I started wearing white makeup. And so going through this where you only see people like you when they're being mocked and when people treat you a certain way, it just reinforced this story for me that being Indian, being a person of color, things about my culture, this was something to be ashamed of. And I was. And I believed that story. I believed that because of my ethnicity, it cost me being an Australian. Because of my ethnicity, I wasn't good enough. I wasn't beautiful. I didn't deserve to be seen. And I deserved all the racial abuse and mistreatment. I experienced and so it led to yeah me accepting the bullying because I guess I thought well you know what this is the price to pay when you're different so I'd actually laugh along when people would say these things I'd laugh about it and then I'd go home and I'd be sick <laughs> I remember there were some days where I'd go to school and I'd have a pit in my stomach before I'd arrive because I was nervous I was nervous about like what now like what is today going to bring and you, it was just this really unhealthy cycle of me thinking I need to just I need to just emotionally regulate play cool go along with it go home feel sick switch it off you know it was I came to think that's the price I needed to pay I changed my whole look and I've spoken about this before but from about 15 onwards I started wearing white makeup green eye contacts and bleaching my hair and I used to say oh I'm just experimenting with my look like I'm just figuring out what looks good for me but I look back and I can see that I was trying to compress myself into what I believed was beautiful, what the stories I was told convinced me was beautiful. And that was being Australian. And what's being Australian? It's being white with blonde hair and blue eyes. And I cut off a lot of my family. I stopped eating Indian food. I stopped watching our movies, listening to our music. Until today, I still have such a disconnect with my culture that I'm slowly trying to bridge because these stories that I believed about myself, that I was less than because of my ethnicity, it made me enter this massive period of self-rejection. And it was all because I believed I was another. This story that I'm different, therefore the price to pay to belong is, you know, to go along with this abuse, to just accept, you know, you need to part with your roots, change your look except the way that people are treating you. And it led to a lot of issues with self-confidence as well. And so this is what I mean when I'm saying, you know, these stories, they shape who we think we are and where we deserve to be in the world. So is there something that you're thinking of? Like, as I'm telling you this, is there something in your mind that's coming up where you're going, shit, like I remember someone once said this to me and it made me think this and all of a sudden now 
this is that. How many things have we been told in childhood where someone made like an offhanded comment or someone made a joke and that kid is still inside us that when someone says something that wounded kid still pops up and thinks like shit this is something I should be ashamed of this is something that still hurts this is something that I'm still struggling to deal with today you know so there are so many things that you know it could just take one offhanded comment and suddenly that becomes a defining sentence and so that story I think it made navigating my cultural identity and I guess my broader identity really, really hard. And it made it hard for me to find a sense of belonging. And it also then led to me, you know, beyond just the race thing and the the way I thought about myself and how I looked and stuff, I think it really affected my career ambitions too. Because again, like I talk about that lack of representation, I never in my wildest dreams would have ever aspired to a media career because there weren't many Indian women in Australian media doing all the things that I'm doing. So Because of that, again, the story is you're different. You deserve racial abuse and play it small with your ambitions because who are you to think you can do all these things? That's what the story was. And so I I played it small in life too. I wanted to succeed, but conservatively, you know, like who the hell am I to go after my dreams? And so when we believe these stories, you know, what next? Now, what happens when we believe them? I think when the conditioning is that deep, And it's so, so, so deeply ingrained. Sometimes we don't even realize that we've inherited these beliefs. We just accept them and we don't know why. They're painful. They hurt. Or we find ourselves living a life that we don't even want. And we're so strongly conditioned that we don't even stop to think, wait, what the hell? Like, what am I doing? Wait a minute. What am I? Is this true? Is this actually true about me? And so it's why I think, you know, when you think about it, I, for example, let me tell you guys something. I only very recently and in my female relationships started feeling less insecure about having body hair, in particular, say like pubic hair. I do get laser. So even if I tried to grow it, I couldn't. But I will say, you know, it's, it's whatever. It's like I used to feel really ashamed about having body hair with sexual partners and I never knew why I just kind of grew up thinking like it's something to be ashamed of just get rid of it and I did like I like I said I have had laser all my life and I do prefer it now but only uh, in the last few years really where maybe I've been a little bit more relaxed about it and I've stopped and gone I don't actually care about this like why have I been so pedantic about this in the past so it's things like that it's like we have these stories in our head that we don't even stop to question like hang on is it okay for me to stop shaving my body hair? Like, why have I come to believe that I don't like this? Or, you know, why do so many of us spend so much money on things we don't need to impress people we don't like? You know, do we just stop and interrupt and ask, why do we do that? And I think we have these inherited beliefs about what's acceptable and they operate in an unconscious level and we don't stop to go, is this in the driver's seat? And then the next thing you know, you're showing up in your life with other people and in the world trying to fit in what you think is acceptable according to these stories instead of going do I actually accept this no what do I want what's the story I want to tell myself and rewrite so I think you know if you go back to chapter one of unbounded it it opens up with that story of my childhood in greater detail if you want to know more and I talk about it because I think for so many of us we've come to believe these stories that you know once upon a time we were kids and Before the world told us who we were, we were just children who believed in the magic of possibility. 
were open to so much curiosity and imagination. You aren't born believing these things about yourselves. You know, you were conditioned. And so I remember like I was very lucky. I grew up with parents who just loved the shit out of me. (laughs) And they just, you know, from when I was very little, they used to breathe love, faith and confidence into me. And I think somewhere in my 20s, I, I randomly had this spark of I found myself in this life that I didn't like. I hated my job. I wanted to be out of the closet. I wanted to do so many other things. And I started to realize I'm not happy. And it was born out of a scarcity mindset. And so I decided to make sense of if you, like me, have had some isolating and jarring experiences, it doesn't have to be racism. It could be anything. Do you know what I did? And this is something that I really think it could help you if you consciously try and practice challenging these thoughts when they pop up. The way that I made sense of experiences like racism that were super isolating and jarring, the way I did it was by asking, what is this going to grow in me? How can I use this to grow in so, you know, something in me? As opposed to asking, why me? Because I think I spent a lot of time asking why me and why are my friends mean and why can't I do these things or why is it harder? And it, and it, and it sucked. It sucked ruminating in that space, that mental space. But when I started to ask, okay, well, what can I use this to grow in me? It became like a fuel. It became something that I was going to find purpose in. And I think that's where so many of us are going to be able to, I guess, recalibrate and shift gears and, and be able to question. It starts with changing your questions. A lot of us, we, I think we visualize and we ask for growth and we pray for growth and we want something to come in and change our life. But sometimes I think growth opportunities come to us in the form of really hard experiences. And it's that ability to stop and question and ask why and how is this happening for you? That's how then you recognize it for what it is. And so I learned this. I learned that we can flip our stories. You know, we can see them as these experiences that we can use to bring us in closer alignment to who we want to be. A person who's more resilient, wise, strong, capable, peaceful, someone who I think can use pain to facilitate real growth. And I think that's what I did because I think I just got tired of feeling powerless. You know, I got tired of feeling powerless and like I had to chameleon myself to be whatever everyone else expected. There's a beautiful thing that I have been reflecting on since I'm going to say 2019 because that was when I first journaled this and then I put it into Unbounded. So in this world where more than 8 billion people are all experiencing their unique realities, you can choose to question the stories you've been told and what they mean to you. Because you don't have to be a victim of your conditioning. And so before I get into solutions and what you can do to question old stories and embrace new possibilities, it's been a little while. I'm now going to interrupt and throw it to my very favorite Ask Maria segment. Let's go. So you're listening to Ask Maria. And for those of you who are new to the podcast, what it is, is listeners submit their questions and I take three questions and I only have a minute to respond to each one. So Blake, what's my first question? Hello. We got a bunch of good ones this week. So I'm going to read our first one. When you realize your views are narrow because of the people you were surrounded by, how do you shift perspectives? 
Oh, that's a good one. I love this quote where someone once told me, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. (laughs) I think it's really great that you're able to recognize that, okay, maybe my views aren't being challenged and I'm not growing them because perhaps I'm surrounded by people who all think very similarly. And what can happen is sometimes you end up engaging with people in a bit of an echo chamber where you're all just reflecting the same things and no one's challenging perspective. So what I would say to you is if you want to expand your views on how you think about yourself and what you think about the world spend time with people who are different to you and put yourself out of your comfort zone whether that's you're joining different community groups or you're hanging out with different friends or people at uni that you don't normally associate with whatever it is even if you just talk to your grandma or your parents or someone of a different generation speak to someone who's different to you and just listen there's another beautiful quote we got two eyes two ears and one mouth listen and observe more than you talk because then you can take more in and expand your views. All right, I'm keen to hear your thoughts on this one. This one is how to deal with guilt when questioning limiting beliefs. Very interesting one. So I want to respond to this one thinking of someone that I know who, I know somebody who I think a lot of their ideas about themselves and where they fit in the world have been shaped by some really rough experiences in terms of experiences of bullying and and maybe some unhealthy ideas, you know, the way that they were raised and things like that. And every time, you know, we have these amazing chats and I try and remind them of who they are and all they can be, they feel guilty straying from what they're expected to be. And so I guess what I tell them is to just be patient with themselves, yes. But guilt is, it's a sign that you care and you're invested in those beliefs for some reason. And I think you have to figure out what that is. Is it because those beliefs align to what people you love expect of you? Is it because these beliefs you have about yourself, there's something that you were taught by your parents, the people around you, the communities you belong to. And if you shed it, then you're transcending them. You're disappointing them. Therefore, you feel guilty. You've got to get to the root of that. But know that you are your own person. And the fact that you're questioning whether you want to shed these limiting beliefs is because you know that you deserve more than that. And anyone or anything that is worth your time, they will find the time and it might take time, but they can get around it. So do it for you. Okay, Blake, we've got time for one more question. And it's our first voice memo. I'm so excited. And this is just a PSA, call to action if you have any questions. It can be anything. Well, I don't know about that. No, it can be anything. (laughs) It can be anything. (laughs) But email blake at dm.org.au or you know how to reach Maria. But let's jump into this voice memo. Yay! So, of course, I am sending in my question as a voice note. I've been here since the OG days, so a podcast has literally been a dream come true. But, yeah, my question is, what's the first step to even recognizing that you have a limiting belief? Just thinking about the fact that we have been wrong in the way that we think can be so hard to acknowledge. And, of course, society and cultural conditioning and... Also, just as human beings, we're so averse to change. Anyway, those are my two cents in it, and I can't wait to hear the podcast. So I think you hit the nail on the head in your question there. First of all, you know, it's so hard sometimes to admit that, wait a minute, maybe I've been doing something I don't like or doing something wrong. And I think a really great first place to start is by recognizing that you've not actually been doing anything wrong. You know, being conditioned to think a certain way 
I think you need to give yourself a little bit of grace and know that you've just come to see the world a certain way and that's okay, but it's never too late to change that. And sometimes it's not an overnight thing. So I think give yourself a little grace and give yourself a little patience because challenging old beliefs can be tough. And I think that to answer your question, the first way to recognize that you have a limiting belief in the first place is to look at what's happening in your life. Because if you look around and there are things that are making you unhappy or you're seeing patterns in unhealthy relationships or work situations that are not serving you maybe it's rooted in something that you believe about what you deserve or where you should be and those are little clues and indicators but I would say give yourself grace and patience because it's not an overnight thing and it does take a concerted effort but the fact that you're willing to even acknowledge that hey this is hard it tells me you're on the right track. So you're listening to the Maria Thetil show and you just listened to my segment, Ask Maria. Now we're back to the episode and this episode is all about how to question stories you've told yourself that might be limiting beliefs. And up until this point, we've covered what those stories are and how they affect how you see yourself and where you show up in the world. And I've given you some personal examples of how this happened to me and in my life and why it's important to question whether they're true. And now I'm ready to give you solutions and actual tangible tools on how you can question these stories. And so to help you question old stories and embrace new possibilities, I want to give you journal prompts. And so anyone who knows me and knows a little bit about me, or if you've read my book, you know that journaling is something I am so big on. And it's because I've done it for many years, but you know, it's proven by research to improve your well-being, your self-awareness, gratitude, optimism, and your emotional healing and resilience. And I think if we're using journaling to create these opportunities to self-reflect, to self-express and explore, it can really help you challenge what limits you to. And so in Unbounded, um, every single chapter in the book, it ends with a series of journal prompts because the book is meant to help you take action, right? To manifest a life beyond limits. And that starts with introspecting. And it opens at a moment in my life, the book does, it opens at a moment in my life where I was really at a very, very low crossroads. And the way I begun my healing, I think, you know, I can really put it down to when I started journaling back in 2019. And if you've never done it, that's okay. I know it's hard to sometimes sit down and think, what the hell do I write? But one time I remember I knew I needed a journal and I didn't know what to do. So I actually wrote down, I don't know what the hell to write. And I wrote that sentence a couple of times before eventually feelings started to come. And it just flowed through me like it was like the pen was a vessel and my thoughts were just flowing as the ink and it was you know I didn't know what to write to start but I just sort of gave myself the space to do it and if you don't want a journal you can just listen to me talk and pause it every time I ask you a question and even just mentally reflect on it to start that's okay too I want you to do this at your pace but you know even if you just start thinking about it that works too a fun challenge that you can do though is send this episode to a friend And I challenge you to send it to one of them and both of you do this exercise and then come together or even with a partner. I think that's a really cute like, look, you're going to get real deep (laughs) if you do this with a partner, but also with your friends to, to get to know each other deeper. Sit down, you both do these prompts and then talk about your answers together. And 
FYI, just so you guys know, you are getting this straight from Unbounded without actually having to get the book, but each chapter has these, so I want you to enjoy. Now, you might remember this from episode one, and I know I touched on it briefly then, but right now I really want to walk you through it and just talk you through how, you know, with examples, you can use this. So ironically, if I had a book and what the tagline would be, like I do have a book now, and funnily enough, it's Unbounded, Manifesting a Life Beyond Limits. But if I had a book back then, I think... Honestly, it it would have been subdued, (laughs) reserved, (laughs) silenced. (laughs) Like That's how I felt. Or you know what? Actually, I'm changing it. It would be called Chameleon. And I think the tagline would be doing your best to find where you belong in every space. And it's ironic because my next question as part of this prompt is, you know, yes, what would your book be called? What would the tagline be? But the next bit is what is the earliest memory you have that would be included in it? And one of my earliest memories, ironically, is what I start unbounded with. Different title, different tagline, but I would have opened up with that experience with racism. Um, I had an experience with racism where I was like four or five and I had a crush and he told me that he could never like me because I had dirty skin and I was a monster and it stuck with me for a long time. And I think that would be one of the earliest things I put in, you know, this biography, Chameleon. That's what I would have put in there. And it's very clear how that, you know, story, that first memory that I put in there, it shapes this idea of you've been rejected. Therefore, yeah, of course you're trying to fit this tagline of I'm trying to find a space where I can belong and and change myself to do that. And so the next bit of this prompt is what would be included in the chapters in your biography and how would they describe you? And so do you see how what I'm getting at is I want you to start to think about how do you think about your life? How do you think about yourself? How do you structure when you break down your life up until this point? Are there key milestones or defining moments that stick out to you that subconsciously have been driving how you think about yourself and how you show up in the world? Now, prompt number two, how does this biography affect how you see yourself, the world and your place in it? And so if I think of, you know, my old biography, Chameleon, it is very clear to see that that biography and the stories I would put in it and the way I used to see myself before I started doing this work and changing how I looked at myself, I think that biography and that idea that I had to change everything about myself to fit in Of course it affected how I saw myself. It meant I thought I was not good enough. And the world and my place in it, I didn't have a place. That's why it was a chameleon because I needed to change myself in every single way to deserve a space. And that's what those old stories, you know, when I'm looking at those stories around race, that's what it conditioned me to think. So what does your biography do for you? What's yours telling you about who you are and where you fit? And prompt number three. Now, there are parts of your biography that are going to have tangible impacts on your aspirations, your dreams, your relationships, your job and your life broadly. So I want you to write down all these different parts of your life and I want you to mark with a star each one that you think limits your capacity to achieve these things. You know, do these things about your biography make you feel like the things that you want are out of bounds? And so if I did that back then, like if I had my biography and I would say, well, what was my wildest dream for myself? Yeah, one day maybe I could have dreamed of, I want to be on TV. I want to do this. I want to do that. 
my relationship of my dreams. Ironically, at the time back then, it used to be marry a nice white man. <laughs> Maybe someone like Zac Efron. I don't know. You know, I had all these things on there. And if I look at my biography and, and feeling like I'm a chameleon, I'm going to start everything. Because those ideas I had about myself, yeah, it, it definitely affected my ability to achieve those career goals, to have the dream relationship. Because you know what? The dream relationship, I didn't even know it was possible because I was so far in the closet. I was in Narnia. <laughs> like, I used to think my dream relationship was, like I said, marry a nice white man, have a kid, do this, do that. Whereas now I'm exploring and, and in changing my, my biography and the stories I've told myself, I've realized actually I'm more than that. So star all those things that you think the stories you've told yourself, they're compromising your ability to achieve that. And now I want you to ask yourself, are these starred items true? Where do your beliefs about these starred items come from? For example, you might have a career aspiration that maybe you want to be a journalist one day. But you're going to start and say, I don't know, because of my background, I don't come from a family with enough money. I'm not going to get the job that I can get. You know, I'm not going to get into the education that I need to. Therefore, I can't achieve this aspiration. I want you to ask yourself, is that completely, absolutely, undeniably true? Because I think you'll find if you ask it that way, it's not. And so many of the times we just talk out of fear and we go, oh my God, I can't do it. This is not good enough about me. I'm just not even going to try. We're just too afraid to even bloody try or think out of the box. But, you know, there are so many different ways to achieve the things that we want in life, to have the kind of relationships we want in life, to get to these places. And it often just takes a moment to actually sit with it and hold our beliefs up to the sun and go, is this true? And I want to ask, is there another way of looking at these parts of your story, whether it's your background, where you grew up, your family, your ethnicity, whatever it is, is there another way of looking at these things so that you can find the gift in them? Because I guarantee you there is. Because when I look back at all the things that I thought were the hardest experiences in my life that I so desperately need to change, I look back on them now and I'm like, holy hell, these things are the reason I am the woman I am today. And I think if I wasn't able to shed that old biography title and that old tagline of being a chameleon, I don't think I would be able to do these things now. And so what I guess I want you to know is as you go through these activities and you sit with a friend or a partner and you talk through it, what I want you to know is what happens to you does not have to be a defining sentence for your life. You're not bound to how your parents, your friends, your work or how society perceives you. And you can start asking questions literally right now. You don't even need a pen or a paper. You just need to have the thought. You can start to question and flip your stories because that's where you're going to find the power to unbind yourself from them. I think you need to question what you've been told about yourself, about your life and whether it requires you to betray yourself and question what would happen if you stop betraying yourself. And then question what's holding you back from being more and doing more because you already are more. So if you're listening and you've trusted me with your time and, and you've listened to this podcast for advice, if there's something that you know you believe about yourself that you wish you could shed or there's something about your life that you want to change... Thank you for listening to this episode because it is your sign that you absolutely can question the stories you've come to believe to be true about yourself. And 
you know, I know it took me a little bit of time to do it, but when I got there, it was the best thing I ever did. And everything starts with that. So be patient with yourself and do it with love. And I'm sending you love too. So thank you so much for listening to yet another episode of the Maria Thatil Show. And listen, I am not going to forget about the homework I gave you. I, I want to hear if you've done the journal prompts, if you've done it with a friend, if you've just listened to the episode and it's made you feel a certain way, or if you've got voice memos for Ask Maria, send them in. Tell me what you thought, what you felt, how it impacted you, because this it just means more to me than I can tell you. And this is exactly why the show exists. I'm Maria Thatil. I love hanging out with you and I cannot wait to see you next time.